One Pills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Well, how the heck are you on a Thursday? Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you on another edition of One Bills Live. Thanks for joining us here with you until 3. So, Steve, I'm in the line this morning <laughs> at uh, your friendly neighborhood drive-thru, uh, mm. and we've seen this before, or maybe, you've, maybe you haven't experienced this, but you've probably heard of it. So I pull up to the window. All I'm getting is a coffee, you know, and I go to hand the money, and the lady at the window says, oh, the car in front of you bought your coffee for you. I was like, oh, it's great. Thanks. Thanks. See you later. I Bye. Said, well, <laughs> I'm, I probably should have done that. Yeah. I said, all right, well, let me, get the, let me get the person behind me. The lady looks at me. She goes, well, they got food. And I was like, oh. So then I said, ah, what the hell? What, how much is it? She's like, $9.05. So I was like. All right, let's do it. Right. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? You like, know? Yeah, it's like $90. So right? <laughs> here I am thinking, oh, look at that. I got a free coffee. My coffee yeah. cost me $9.05. $9.05. Yeah. You win some, you lose some, That's Steve. the way it is, man. I do that once in a while. Well, I'll, I'll buy for the guy behind me, and I've yet to be bought for. Really? Yeah, it's never happened to me. I think that's the second time that's happened for me. It's never happened. It's not often, but yeah. it does happen. But, you know, you got to do right by your fellow person so but i i came out <laughs> i came out seven, six fifty short i think and you're right my purchase the most expensive coffee of the cup year. of coffee ah <laughs> 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 uh, you win some you lose so what yeah, are you gonna do what are you gonna do that's uh, that's good though i it's a nice gesture and yeah. i do it occasionally I did it for for a minute. I did it all the time i did uh, it every single time i'm willing to bet the person behind me if they paid it forward they win they're going to win. They had a $9 order. The chances of the person right. behind them having more than a $9 That's order right. is pretty remote. That's right. So they, they're the winner today. Yeah. It's an interesting dynamic. Isn't it? Because, I mean, certainly you try and doing somebody a favor by buying them a coffee, but then you put them on the spot by saying, okay, if somebody bought from me, I should reciprocate. Yeah, pay right? forward. You, yeah. just, you know. I felt so obligated. I'll right. Be, I'll so you honest. say, okay, what's the guy behind me got? Yeah. And they go, oh, they got like, you know, they got seven people in the minivan. Right. I should have known. Like, it was a it was, there was a minivan, thirty-five dollar tab. Then it's like, eh, you know what? I'll, maybe next time. <laughs> you have a nice day now. <laughs> right. I'll get, I'll get you on the flip side. I'll get you later. <laughs> right. Uh, I, it's my. It's always my fear. It's always my fear that I pay for the guy behind me. They roll up. And the and the clerk goes, that'll oh. be nine fifty. Yeah, and then pockets your money. Po- yeah, I guess there is a risk of that. You know, I hadn't thought of that. Well, that's because you're not as devious. As you me, get you, know, you get yeah. some smarmy person at the window. They'll just pocket your money and then yeah. ask the next person for their. Yeah, they'd not even let them know. And nobody's the wiser. See, that's when I buy, pay for somebody behind me. I go, hey, I got a buddy back there. I know them. Can you? I always tell my no because I think we're going to talk, mm. and I'll find out. Put the fear of God in them. Say, oh, they know each other, so I can't like scooch this guy's money because yeah. he, they're going to talk later. Yeah. Huh. Okay. So I, you know, that's now. Here's my second question. Not that I, I am I? Does that make me a bad person? Or no, it just makes you I, calculated. You're very yeah. calculated. Well, yeah, psychopath. More well, than, I don't more know about evil. that, but calculated. Yeah, I just figure you're trying to uh, prevent the worst case scenario. 
of people acting on their... But you know what, though? Here's the thing. Are you one of those universal people like, listen, karma's going to come. If you pay for it in good faith, you expect people to do it. And even if it doesn't get to the person you meant it for, somebody's, it's going to come back to you somehow. It's going to echo back in a good way. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah. All right, so here's my second question. Has that drive-through occurrence ever happened to you somewhere besides Western New York? Or somebody in front uh, bought for you? Well, no, I, you know, when do I go through drive-thrus any place but here? So, no. Yeah. I've done drive-thrus in other places, you know, driving kids to school and stuff. And Oh, you mean like, yeah, college, you mean? Well, no, like you're out of state. You're somewhere else. Right. You're grabbing and going because you're right, on a long right, drive. You're on the road, yeah. And you've done that? or Nobody's. No, but I've never. I'm, well, my point is, I've only had it Here's happen to me thing. here. If, it's, if you're in the neighborhood, if you're in your neighborhood drive-through, I mean, the one you go to all the time, that's different. Yeah, but I'll say this: like, I'll, I usually make coffee at home if I'm running late. Yeah. Or I've got a gift card, you know. Then I'm going through. Um, but I'm not an everyday. I'm not a five day a week person going through the morning drive through. I'm just not. I'm like right, I'm once not every two weeks. I'm not either. Yeah. I was for a minute, but I'm not now. I, I I've got a different routine now. <laughs> Keep it up for Lent. <laughs> right. No. I, I, no. No I, more drive through for me. No, I'm making a sacrifice. Yeah, no, I yeah, right. Uh, I just got a different routine that I like better. So it doesn't include a drive through. Okay. So enough. I'm I'm kind of with you on it though. You I almost feel like it's a Western New York thing. I'm sure people do it somewhere else. I'm sure they do. But I think also, if you're going to go across the country and do that, and, and, you know, like Johnny Appleseed it across the country, maybe people, you know. Oh, be the, yeah, be the Kickstarter. Yeah, be the, you know, be the seed that, you know. Oh, what a nice idea. Maybe that. It's like that that. parable, the seed that falls on on fertile ground, you know. Not all the ground is fertile out That's, there, but yes, exactly. I know what but your still, you I know, know what, what I mean? your premise it's is. A, it's, you know what it is? It's like Johnny Appleseed going on. You, you spread yeah. that little thought on somebody else, and they they actually, hey, that's a good idea. I'm going to do that. Okay. Or they go, sweet, more for me. <laughs> you have a nice day now. <laughs> <laughs> pew pew. <laughs> I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Burn rubber, Mildred. <laughs> right. Or that's the or that's the clerk that goes, hey, yeah, sure, I'll pay for that guy behind you. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for the two fifty. Yeah. You know. All right. I was just curious about that. So I do do that a lot. Yeah. Not a lot. Yeah. On a regular basis. Well, good for you. Uh, yeah. I was, you know, it's one of those social experiments that you're always curious what other yeah. people think about it. Yeah. It's, the, I mean, it's cool when it happens to so you. Like, oh, how nice. You know, how does the collective consciousness of our society yeah. handle a free yeah. coffee? Yeah. Is there knowing a con- how much people love coffee? I would say pretty good. Right. Pretty well. Is there a, a conscience in there or is it just, you know, I'm looking out for number one. Well, there's probably a, a healthy portion of both. Yeah, yeah. And also this, too. I'm probably, bo- I'm probably all those people that we're talking about, every role in that, the clerk, the driver one, and the driver behind. I'm, I'm all of those at some point. Oh, okay. And I'm all, you know, I'm all those guys. Well, look that, at how varied your personality is. I'm the is. guy that says, you know what? I ain't got time for this. Give me the coffee then. Right or fantastic? Yeah, I mean, I'm not. Listen, I I'd like to say no. I always do it every single time I buy for that. No, no. I'm sometimes nobody does that. Sometimes I'm the guy who says, you know, just give me the coffee. You know, Um, I'm a little bit of that too. Yeah, I gotta confess. That's fine. I'm I'm and I'm probably at some point I'm the clerk that says I'm keeping your money. Thanks, and I'm not telling anybody. (laughs) 
Okay. Hopefully that doesn't happen very often. And look at what we learned today. Yes. Here on the show. I am not a good guy. Amazing. Uh, uh, you know, I'm, uh, yeah, I've, I've never worked as a clerk, so I'm just saying, you know. I got I've you. I've never worked as one of those guys. But still, that's got to be a, doesn't that have to like cross your mind at some point going, you know, nobody's going to know. Yeah, I'm thinking there's cameras everywhere these days. Yeah, maybe. Uh, let's go around the NFL. Presented by Kaleida Health, the official healthcare system of the Buffalo Bills. And we begin with the eighth and final head coaching spot filled today. The Washington Commanders are hiring Dan Quinn as their head coach. The now former Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator will be an NFL head coach for the second time. His first head coaching stint came in Atlanta with the Falcons for six seasons from 2015 to 2020, won an NFC title while he was there. Um, so, Steve, all the head coaching posts have been filled. And looking at this list, I believe Dan Quinn is – nope, Jim Harbaugh is the oldest at age 60. Dan Quinn is 54. Everybody else is under 50 years old. Um. And six of the eight are defensive guys. Yes, which I found very interesting. Antonio Pierce, uh, Raheem Morris, Dan Quinn, Mike McDonald. Mike McDonald, Gerard Mayo. That's five of the eight. Five of the eight. Yeah. Because you got right. Canales, Harbaugh, and Callahan as the offensive well, guys. Raheem Morris. He's defensive coordinator. Yeah. It's five of the eight. Canales, Harbaugh, Callahan, offensive guys. That's three of the eight. So three plus five is eight. interesting. Yeah, I mean it's just one. It's just one guy that makes it a fit. Doesn't you know fifty fifty? But everybody's talking. Well, yeah, like, but you got to yeah. yeah. The the big trend is you got to get an offensive guy. Got to get an offensive guy. I'm I'm kind of on that. Uh, just get the best guy. Yeah, get the best guy. Doesn't, doesn't matter. And two people who are not head coaches and won't be at least for another calendar year: Bill Belichick and Mike Vrabel and Pete Carroll. Well, yeah, but is Carroll really in? It was kind of murky as to whether he really intended to coach again. I don't know that he did. Yeah. Um, but I thought Vrabel would get a job for sure. He did not. Belichick, I thought his age might work against him, right. even with, with you. his you know chalk loaded resume. I am totally with you. I th I thought Mike Vrabel would have been that surprised me the first guy on everybody's one of the first guys on everybody's list and i don't know why he's not maybe that maybe it's his own choice maybe it's a, it's some things that he's done in the interview process or the well i didn't know. even see him up for interviews too many of them uh, right because it's like one or two and here's why I, here's my thought people you know when they do this stuff they call the guy's representation yeah they call like whoever's handling Mike Vrabel. I don't know who the, the who handles him and his contracts. Who his who his agent is. All these guys have them. So so they call and Vrabel says to his agent, unless unless A, B, and C are in place, don't even call me. I don't want to talk to him. Yeah. And the agent does what he's told. Well, not having a quarterback kind of cost him his job. And then right when they finally draft yeah, one, it looks it, like they have but one. But it could be anything. It could be unless it's like $50 gazillion a year, I'm not doing it. You know, yeah. it could be, or it could be unless I have say over personnel, or it could be whatever. Um, he, 
he, you know, he says, I'm not, I'm not talking to him. Um, so that's part of the deal, you know. So I'm, I imagine since, because there's no way you have a head coach opening in the NFL at this point in history, and that guy, and that guy's a free agent, and you're not talking to him. There's no way. That's that's malpractice if mm. you don't if you don't at least pick the phone up and say what about it, you know. Malpractice. So, okay. Either, I mean, you've got to talk to that guy. Yeah. And. Yeah, so the the fact that he did not get very many interviews, let alone an offer, says to me, he there's either he said doesn't want to coach this year, or he put some conditions on it that other team that the teams just weren't in, yeah. weren't going to weren't going to give him. Uh, the Green Bay Packers have a new defensive coordinator, and it's the Boston College head coach Jeff Halfley leaving the ACC and is taking the job, replacing the fire Joe Barry. Uh, so that was kind of an interesting thing, kind of plucking somebody from the college ranks. Um, I, I didn't look to see if Halfley has NFL experience. Maybe he does. Uh, I just don't know him well enough. And then Tennessee is expected to hire Ravens defensive backs coach Denard Wilson to be their next defensive coordinator. That, according to NFL Network's Tom Pelissero. Um and from the In Case You Missed It file, because I completely missed this one, Steve, former Chargers OC Kellen Moore was hired by the Eagles to be their offensive coordinator. As we remember, I mean, the last two years for Justin Herbert did not look good under Kellen Moore. I would say he regressed as a quarterback, quite frankly. So the question I put to you, do you think Kellen Moore is was capable? Was Kellen Moore there for two years or was this his two. first year? He was there for two years. Oh, no, Maybe I it was think, just one year, yeah, because yeah, because Mike was, McCarthy started calling the plays for the Cowboys this year, right? So it was one year. I thought he regressed terribly this year under Kellen Moore. So my question to you, do you think Kellen Moore can make Jalen Hurts a better quarterback going forward? He's a much different one than Justin Herbert. Maybe. Maybe. Like, I don't know. Maybe. You don't have to make him. Dak Prescott got better when McCarthy when McCarthy started calling the plays and Kellen Moore left. And now he's one year with the Chargers and he's left after a horrible year for Herbert. Yeah. Like that doesn't look Holy right. cow. Uh, uh, yes, I agree. And and Like what happens if Harbaugh turns Herbert into like a 5,500-yard passer with 40 touchdowns? That's going to be two quarterbacks that got better after he left. It's not good. The Eagles are I don't like what the Eagles are putting together right now. I'm just going to say that. Maybe Kellen Moore interviews better than he actually does the job. Yeah, I. You know what I mean? It's one of those guys like I don't know the Rex Ryan effect here in Buffalo comes in, sweeps everybody off their feet, and he gets in the door, and it's like, dude, oh boy, oh boy, yeah. You know, could be. I mean, I, I don't know because he's been he's been around the league for a minute. Yeah, he's he's been around the league for at least a decade. Yeah, that's well. He hung on as a third string quarterback for a while, and I'm talking as a coach. Hasn't he been around for at least that long? Ah, uh, not a decade. I don't think he's been coaching that All long. All right, now we got to find. Now I got to go find out. I think he was a quarterbacks coach for a little while, and then got bumped up to coordinator. But no, I don't. I don't think he's been around that long. Not as a coach. He kind of hung around the NFL as a third string quarterback, backup quarterback, that kind of thing. Yeah. All right. We'll so. See. I would bet he's got four or five years as a – maybe six as a coach. Started in 2018. What did I say? Six as a coach? Boom. Seven. Boom that, diggity. That doesn't – Not ten. <laughs> <laughs> it's less than ten. 
right. Uh, your Bills news on NFL.com, they ranked the top 15 offensive players for 2023. First question for you, Steve. Of the top 15 offensive players in 2023, where do you think Josh Allen was ranked on this list? On the on what list? NFL.com ranked the top 15 He's offensive in top players five. in 2023. He's in the top five. He is not. They ranked him sixth. Okay. What, what so now here's your this? second question. <laughs> what website is this so I can It's NFL.com. So I can troll. Hold on. NFL. Second com. question. Can you Come name on. the five players they ranked ahead of him? Lamar. Lamar, who was number one. McCaffrey. McCaffrey was number two. Uh, Tua. Not Tua. Oh, thank goodness. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. My head would have exploded. You know how it goes, though. You got there is one uh, court. There are two quarterbacks and one skill position player ahead of Josh right now. Two quarterbacks and a skill position player. So you have guessed Lamar and Christian him. McCaffrey correctly. I'll say. Think about a skill position player who had another big year. Can they now? Skill position player. Is it the AFC. receiver from Dow? Oh, AFC? Kelsey? Nope. Okay, thank goodness for that, too. Oh, Tyreek. Tyreek. Uh, so now you have the two quarterbacks left. So three quarterbacks ahead of Josh for top 15 offensive players for 2023. All right, I say, uh, is Purdy in there? Purdy is third. And Dak? No. Okay. Goff? You're missing the obvious. Oh, Mahomes? Mahomes. Mahomes is really after this regular season. This was the top five. Now, let's just say this. Your author of this fine ranking story, ranking the top 15 offensive players in 2023 on NFL.com, is the one and only David Carr, who is not a huge Josh fan. Let that be known. One, Lamar. Two, Christian McCaffrey. Three, Brock Purdy. Four, Tyreek Hill. Five, Patrick Mahomes, six, Josh Allen. And this is how this is his this is how he describes Josh, which kind of explains why he has him sixth. This season was quite the roller coaster for Josh Allen. His offensive coordinator was fired midway through the season, and then he went on a run to lead Buffalo to its fourth straight AFC East title. Allen and the Bills offense took off after Joe Brady took over the unit, averaging 378 yards and 27 points per game, going 7-2 and two under Brady, including the playoffs. By regular season's end, Allen led the league in offensive yards and offensive touchdowns, even while his number one receiver, Stephon Diggs, had the lowest statistical season of his Bills career. Allen is still in his prime and still this close to helping the Bills get over the hump in the postseason. Sixth. He wrote himself. He led the league in offensive yards. Six. And he put he put Tyreek and McCaffrey in front of him. And Brock Purdy. And Brock Purdy. All Brock Purdy. Now look. You put Brock I mean, Purdy. I like Brock Purdy. I have nothing against him. I do him. too. He's a good player. Led the league in passer absolutely, rating. He's absolutely a gr- the, the story in the league, I think. Now, now that they're in the Super Bowl, he's yeah. the absolute story in the league. No question about it. But let me just say this. And you know this too, 
Kyle Shanahan goes to bat for Purdy, saying he's you know he's that guy, he's our guy. They love him. Kyle Shanahan would throw Brock Purdy into a tree grinder if he had a shot at Josh Gallon. <laughs> Thanks, Brock. It's been real. It's been nice, but it hasn't been real nice. So. They would. There is. There are thirty. There are almost at least almost thirty teams in the league that would unceremoniously make their guy disappear mm. if they had a whisper of a chance of getting Josh Allen. Right. Here, I, who are they kidding? I, here, who it, are they kidding? Who is David Carr kidding? It's one guy that put this ranking list alone. together. Every, and the rest of them, a lot of them are trolls. I get it. They say that stuff to wind you up. This is a up. former quarterback ranking this, though. C.D. Lamb was seventh. Dak Prescott, eight. C.J. Stroud, nine. Puka Nakua, 10. George Kittle, 11. Tua, 12. A.J. Brown, 13. Here's the Jared Goff, 14. Amon Ross St. Brown, 15. Here's, here's what that list is. You know what you tell you what that list is? Fodder. That list is a list of the best stories in the National Football League, mm. not the best players. 15 offensive pl- final top 15 offensive player rankings for the regular yeah, season. That's the 15 storylines on the offensive man. side. That's not that has nothing to do with the with the quality of play those guys put so out there. So appreciate the analysis there from David Carr. My god. Are uh, you kidding me? I am not kidding you. It's right there. nfl.com lap it up like pudding. That's an oak jay. Yeah. Uh got to get to the topic of discussion today. And we're going to – yesterday we were kind of a little focused on the offensive side of the ball. Today we're going to focus on the defensive side of the ball as we march into this 2024 offseason. Question for you today, what change this offseason will help the Bills' defense the most in 2024? Could be player-related, could be coaching-related, could be anything. Anything that you think could change on the defensive side of the ball – this offseason, you let us know what change you believe will help the Bills' defense the most come September 2024. 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550, the number to get on board. And uh, we'll go to the phones now. And leading us off today is Butch on the east side. What do you got for us, Butch? Well, first of all, good, good afternoon, gentlemen. And thanks for taking my call. I want to answer your question, the first question, and then I will make my comment what I call for. Uh, the question on the defensive side of the ball for me is something what we were talking about yesterday is playing the young guys that we have in our secondary, like Elam, and then at the same time, maybe we can move uh, one guy to safety and build off that. I will sign Rap. That's definitely a, a that will be a, a game plan for me, getting Rap in there, looking Saran Neal a little bit more. But that's what I'll do. And then in the draft, you know, instead of going wide receiver in the first round, I'm looking at defensive tackles. I'm looking at the inside interior. Now I'm going to go to my question. My question for you guys, and before you shoot this down, and I know you probably will, but I just want you to think about why I asked this question. Now, n- normally, well, I can say normally, Brandy Bean has some decisions to make prior to getting some money for our football team. He's going to have to bring all the money guys to the table by restructures or moving money around. I have a question for you. Now, I love Stefan Diggs dearly. I'm not knocking him at all. I'm looking at the business side of it. Say hypothetical. It's all hypotheticals. If we bring Diggs to the table and want to restructure his deal, and he doesn't want to do anything to help the team, and we have to move him. Now, this is my question to you two. 
AJ Brown's over there in Philadelphia. He has a million dollar. He has a hundred million dollar contract. Diggs has a ninety six. I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I think AJ's got two years left, like Diggs do or whatever. If we go man for man, and at the same time, by AJ being a little younger, and then at the same time, he does have a report with Dawson Knox coming out of Ole Miss. Um, is that is can that happen? You know, like that? Can it go man for man, contract for contract, and? At the same time, we're doing digs and figure putting him in the NFC East so we can face his brother twice a year, and the CBS or, or Fox can, can glorify that. Butchie, why would, why would Philly do that? I, because, I mean, I'm just I'm going based off of hearsay now. I'm going hearsay there have been rumors that A.J. Brown right, might right, be moved this offseason. Right. I, I just don't see how that's going to happen, Butch. I mean, talk is one thing, but the dead cap is the biggest deterrent here because both teams – while they would be probably, in their minds, maybe considering that equal value, maybe they don't, who knows, because, you know, A.J. Brown's only 27. Uh, but let's right. just say they think it is equal value in terms of player and helping their team. It's the dead cap that's the deterrent. It's $31 million this year for Diggs, and it's $42 million for A.J. Brown. I don't see how they can work around a number that fat. I mean, that's like a quarterback salary of dead cap money. I mean, that's just, to me, it doesn't make it feasible. Can I have a question though? Let me ask you a question though. If we just say that did happen, that one that forty-two million dollar cap that you're speaking of, if we got in here, couldn't we rework a deal and get them a deal where we can lower that for us? Well, I, yeah, I don't know that it. I don't know that it helps Philly though. Um, okay, I'd have saying. to. I'd have to take I a mean, look at that. I mean, if you can get if you can get Philly to say yes to that, yeah, I mean, you, what. Like a sign and trade? Yeah, no, because yeah. the dead cap still hits. I mean, you can make it as friendly as you want, but I think if the you, dead cap still If you still trade hits. him, see, here's the thing. We could make it better for the – yeah, the Bills could restructure the contract whenever they want and make it better for them, but Philly's still got a $42 million whack on their on their cap. Yeah, that that's the issue because when you trade somebody, all that money accelerates. Um, Everything they've paid him or promised to pay him goes into the cap ne- this year. Yeah. That's the problem, but I mean, it's thirty million dollars cheaper to keep him on their roster this year than it is to move him. Yeah. It's twelve four to keep AJ Brown on their on their roster, and it's forty two and a half to move him. Like it just you want to talk about the business side, that just doesn't make sense business wise. Right. In, in any way, shape, or right. form. And I'll say this too, you're talking about whether you don't think the Bills asking these money guys to come back to the table. Uh, to restructure their deals, those guys will stand in line to come back and restructure their deals. Because you're putting more money in their pocket more often than not right now. Yeah, what that means is you're giving them all this future bonuses and, and incentives. And, or even base salary. And base salary yeah. and all that stuff they have to wait on until the season starts. You're giving it to them right now as a bonus. That's what that means. So all the players are all about reworking their deals. Not like they're out there going, I'm making good. Now, it's if not, you're going to them saying you got to take a pay cut, that's, that's a different, different story. That's different. Because and that asking, has happened here. If you're asking guys to take less money than you've already guaranteed them in a previous contract, good luck. You ain't going to do that. But if you're asking to give it to them now so they can lower the cap hit going forward, yeah, they'll do it. Yeah. Let's go back to the phones and to Albert in Buffalo. What do you got, Albert? Uh, Listen to I was us. Wondering who's gonna, if if Milano, uh, Milano comes back, like the, who's going to – He's one of the other uh, linebackers. <laughs> yeah, so it's basically going to be Bernard and Milano. That's how the season started, and and that's how it would continue. I suppose uh, 
Your third linebacker, I would assume, would be Dorian Williams in his second season. Tyrell Johnson is a free agent, so he may or may not be back. And then you have Balin Spector there. Wouldn't surprise me if they had another linebacker draft or Yeah, Spector's been a, a good special teams guy, and he's played pretty well when he's gotten in, but he's, he's really struggled to stay healthy. Um, as soon as he gets back on the field for any length of time, particularly playing regular down and distance as linebacker, he seems to get, get nicked. Uh, so that's probably a concern for them going forward. But they, I think they like him as a player, but he's struggled to stay healthy thus far in his career, although it's short, small sample size. Yeah. Over to Kevin in Williamsville next. What do you got for us, Kevin? Uh, first, uh, just to share with us how you like your coffee. And number two, my question would be, you know, um, there's 371 Hall of Famers. Ten of them are Heisman Trophy winners. My question leads into that are NFL scouts savvy enough to determine which college prospects have peaked or soon to peak and still growing, a la Tom Brady and others? It's an it's an art, not a not a science. That's for sure. Yeah. And they have tried to make that possible to predict how a guy's going to be in the future. Uh, they compare where what they saw in a guy like Tom Brady or a guy like Drew Brees or a guy like oh, go, go, name your name your Heisman Trophy winner or quarterback or whoever you want to call it. They have honed in and and they've gone to professionals like psychoanalysts psychologists, therapists, uh, professional interrogators, uh, private investigators, body language experts, uh, go down the list. And they employ all of those types of expertise trying to decipher which of these guys fits a profile that they think will make a guy like what you're talking about, a guy who is on the ascent or has greatness locked in within him and just hasn't had the right opportunity to do it. Or a guy that they've already got on their roster, same thing. How can we unlock him, right? How can we have him reach his full potential? All of that is in the, in the mix. So, yeah. That, um, you also need to find somebody's, somebody with character that is rooted in self-motivation. Right. Because yeah. the job, playing football for people that talented has been easy for them in high school and in college. So you better make sure that that player, when they get to the NFL, has the intestinal fortitude to motivate himself to be the best he can be because it becomes a lot harder when he's playing against all the other alpha males that make up the 1% of players that make it to the NFL because the job gets significantly harder. The demands and the time spent on the craft become almost endless. It is an endless pursuit of perfection just to hang and stay in the league let alone excel in the league if you're fortunate enough to do yeah. so. It's, uh, there's a lot in your question, Kevin, but you can bet that, yes. An inexact uh, science. It's an inexact best. science and an art form. Because and, and, at, at its root, it's a projection. Yeah. One of the problems w- with facing these guys is, yeah, you got Heisman Trophy winners. Ten Heisman Trophy winners have made it to the Hall of Fame, and there have been others who have been good players, and there's others who were not very good professional players. The problem is the professional football is not – as similar to college football as you might think. It's a, it's a vastly different atmosphere. That also makes it hard to project. Yeah, that's what makes the projection so tough. Got to take a break here, but we'll get back to more of your phone calls. Peter in Tennessee will lead us off, followed by Chad out in Illinois. We're 
crisscrossing the country here Let's on go. One Bills Live. We'll be back with more in a second. Stay tuned. All right, back here on One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. What change this offseason do you think will help the Bills' defense the most in 2024? Feel free to weigh in on that at 803-0550, And we go to Peter in Tennessee next. What do you got for us, Peter? Thanks for having me, Steve and Chris. Um, I think Matt Milano coming back healthy and staying healthy is the most important thing for defense. But I did also want to make a suggestion about uh, a potential to improve coaching. Okay. And I don't know if you guys remember uh, the cartoons where there's an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other. Oh, yeah. I think Sean McDermott is great with the angel. I want to give him a devil. So Mike Rabel is under contract for the Titans at a head coach salary for the next two years. He's not getting a head coach job. Uh, he would be an excellent special assistant coach for game management. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting totally thought. With, I, I, I he's like, very I, good at that. He's very good at it. I, I think that's one of his most, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know Mike Vrabel. I, it's one of his most endearing qualities. Um, I will never forget him doing that to Bill Belichick and getting the best of him in that situation. And, and it's, it's stuck with me for a long time. He's really good at it. Yeah, I don't hate that idea. I, I think yeah, we I, have to see... I'm, do, do we even know if he would entertain something like that? I don't know. Yeah, you're not going to get Mike Vrabel to come up and be a game management coach for another franchise while he's waiting on a head coaching right. gig. Although, you know, maybe it'll appeal to I him. Think, maybe maybe want to expand his horizons and watch the Bills do yeah. their business and all that. Maybe. I doubt it. I think the other thing, too, is we have to wait and see how everything shakes out with new defensive coordinator Bobby Babbage. Is he calling the plays, or is Sean just – taking, you know, stepping away from that after a year of doing it and is just going to be the head coach again. Um, because if he is, well, then there is more time and resources and brain power he can devote just to his head coaching duties on game day and not also do, you know, the coordinating of the defense and the play calling. So I think how that shakes out would play a factor in a decision like that too. But, yeah, I – I don't know. I don't like. I don't hate the idea, but I I would be surprised if Rabel would take on something like that. But man, who knows? Maybe stranger things have happened. Um, could always pick up the phone and see. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. Let's go to Chad in Illinois next. What do you got for us, Chad? Hey, fellas, appreciate you taking my call. Sure. Um, the the question that I had is, I, I know that there's been a lot of talk. Well, first off, I don't even know what the status is of. Of Poyer and Hyde for this upcoming season and, and going forward. Um, but that being said, uh, I heard a lot of rumblings about picking up a a safety in the early first in the early rounds of the draft. I don't love that idea, uh, just because I think that I, I think there might be more. What would, what would the thoughts of trade a White? I know that we've got some depth at corner now. He's coming off a couple injury seasons. I don't know what's going to happen with Trey Day, but is there any way that he can make that transition to a safety position um, and kind of continue to re- and reinvent his, his, his career, basically? I, I know that some corners in the past have done that. I, I, would, I, just, I would love to see Trey Day make that, that transition. What are your thoughts on that, fellas? Yeah, I'm, I have not heard or entertained any, any 
serious thought about getting a safety high in this draft. I, I don't think that's a, a position you do that with. Yeah. Um, I'm, so I'm with you there, Chad. I'm a Poyer and Hyde. Um, uh, Poyer is under contract another year. Hyde is not. Um, I, there's no question that they're going to have to do something at those two spots. Uh, Taylor Rapp isn't even under under contract going forward, so they've got to find somebody to play that. And if, whether the guy's on the roster or the guys are on the roster, whether it's Christian Benford or Tredavious White or somebody they've transitioned into that role or one of the guys they have on the roster, uh, they're going to have to do something uh, until that changes. Um, yes, other corners have, and I think it comes down to the guy himself. Certainly the athleticism is there for Tredavious, pending him coming back from the injuries, of course. Um, and you don't have to be so stop and go and so sudden and explosive at safety that you do at corner. Safety is a game, is a, is a position that's played between your ears more so than from the waist down. You know what I mean? So uh, certainly they got to be great athletes back there. But by NFL standards, um, you're talking a position that is played from the neck up. I just... I think the fly in the ointment here is what you've already referenced, which is Tredavious White's rehabilitation schedule. I mean, he did it on October 1st, had surgery presumably a week or two after that, so now you're into mid-October, and that can sometimes take up to a year before a player can even get back on the field and play. And I think because of that uncertain nature, I don't think the Bills want to put their eggs in that basket and on top of that, say, oh, by the way, play this totally new position where the angles are all different, the reads are all different, and you're running a defense to a certain extent in terms of what's happening on the back yeah. end. So I don't know. I understand the premise. Like, hey, he's had two major injuries. Maybe he can't play corner anymore, but he can, he can play safety. I get the idea of that, Chad. And I don't hate it, but I think because of the uncertain nature of his own physical health, that's a risky path to go down. Like, oh, boy, we've got holes at safety. Let's fill it with this guy who we don't know if he's going to be ready by the start of the season. Like, I, I just don't see yeah. Brandon Bean and, and Sean McDermott going that route. You want to try to fill as many holes as possible with reliable answers. Now, obviously, you don't know if new people coming in are going to be perfect fits. You know what Tredavious White's about, but you've never seen him play safety either. So that's not a sure fit either. Then you throw his health on top of that. I think it makes it too uncertain for them to go down that path, even if it would make sense in a perfect world. We're not in a perfect world with Tredavious White's playing ability right, right. now because of his injury history, unfortunately. Let's go to Mark in Jersey City next. What's up, Mark? Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. And kind of piggyback on what the caller just talked about in two two ways. Um, the the athleticism in the middle, um, not into using high high assets on safety. You know, Jordan Poyer wasn't a, a very highly touted free agent signing, and people were like, oh, maybe best special teams guy, good solid backup. Hyde was the guy like, oh, nice player. But as a pairing, they were, you know, we all know what they became. I, I'm in that mode. You know, just some higher end athletes in the middle would be nice. And with Trey. My idea is if the Bills could, do what you did with Cordy Glenn. Simply swap him to get yourself better draft position. He's got a really nice contract for a starting corner. I know his health is you know, a major question mark, but so was Cordy's. The Bills just positioned themselves with the Bengals. to. to I believe they moved up from a um, mid-20s to like, tw they had like back-to-back -back picks, 21 and 22. 
was able to springboard up to 12. I, I would like to see them do that with Trey. I don't have any names for safety. I'm still, you know, haven't gotten off the wide receiver train yet, and I probably won't. So, But I, I think it's a nice class, but there's definitely not anybody worth grabbing with, I, I would say, in the top two rounds. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, yeah I'm not, not a safety. Yeah, we're not. I don't think any of us are worried about them taking a safety high. I think there are far more pressing needs at more expensive positions. So you would assume, knowing they have to save money, would fill those positions, defensive tackle, defensive end, wide receiver, all in the draft. Those are three of the five to six highest positions on average annual salary in the league. If you're trying to save money, you try to fill those holes with draft picks. Safety, not as an expensive, not as expensive a position. And I'm just going to say this. We saw it happen last year. There were 18 starters at safety who were free agents last offseason, and the supply far outweighed the demand, and almost no one, with the exception of Jesse Bates, got paid their fair market value. Everyone took a hit because the market was flush with free agents. Guess what? It's happening again. Buda Baker, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Jordan Whitehead, Chuck Clark, J. Ron Curse, Eric Murray, Jalen Mills, Darnell Savage, Mike Edwards, Tashawn Gibson, Kareem Jackson, Jeremy Reeves, Will Harris, Cody Davis, Xavier McKinney, Kyle Duggar. I mean, these are not just nobodies. There's like top flight guys who might get a good contract, but everybody that's second tier and lower who can start in this league and be productive for you. Like Mike Edwards from Kansas City, I'd take that guy in a second. Good player. Yeah, the, yes. I think the supply is going to be there again where you can get an affordable value for a veteran player to fill one of your safety spots. Right. There's a, that is, well, to put it on, it's as important as Poyer and Hyde have been to the success of the defense. Um, mostly you can, you can tell for Bills fans and people like Brownie and I, you tell because you hear it from experts who say, man, those guys are awesome, right? Uh, that's not even all of them. And you I see mean, some turnovers and all that. Here's the thing. It's not I, for as, as good as Poyer and Hyde have been, and as important as they are, it's not a money position. You're not going to spend a lot of high assets. You're not going to have a lot of – those guys were making like $5 million a year, and they were elite. Yeah. A wideout makes 18. A wideout like Tyreek's making 30. And you got safeties like Poyer and Hyde. Not, these aren't just Joe. The Poyer and Hyde are making like not between Poyer's five and ten. Six. Yeah, they're like it's. Now it's he's not. On the, they're on the back side of their careers, right? Now but too. it's an, it's yes. not a money position. You're you're going to be able to find guys who can play, and particularly with you know, given Poyer and Hyde's success and how long it's gone, you're going to get better athletes at this point, right out of the gate. Now whether they can, they're not going to play like Poyer and Hyde out of the gate. But they're going to be athletic like those guys, and they can overcome some of their mental deficiencies. You know, their lack of experience, their lack of, you know, seeing concepts and reacting quicker. They're going to be able to overcome some of that with just some athleticism. Some of the new guys, but you're not going to spend a, a you're not going to spend anything on day one, maybe even day two on a safety. No, those are days. And you're going to drafts. you're going to it's going to be two and a half weeks into free agency before you sign one. Antoine Winfield Jr., Taylor Rapp, Deshaun Elliott, Justin Evans, Rodney McLeod, Jeremy Chin. I mean, I mean, they're all over the place. You, right. you, you can find safeties just walking around the block. 
I mean, that's how much supply there's been the last two off seasons. This season's no different from last year. I think you can get a great value at the safety position. You let the dust settle on the first two weeks of free agency and then go find the best of the lot. And guess what? There's going to be five to eight guys that are starting caliber that you can get for an affordable price. Got to take a break here. More coming up, including your phone calls. Second hour of the show, we've got Zach Kerr joining us from CBS Sports. We'll be talking to him. But we want to know from you, what change this offseason do you think will help the Bills defense the most in 2024? Your phone call is next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you, asking you what change this offseason will help the Bills' defense the most in 2024. 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550, the number to get on board. We do have some open lines for you. Uh, we will take this opportunity, however, to jump on the tweet sheet, which is brought to you by Corrigan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving company of the Buffalo Bills. And MRW says... Bobby Babich as the D.C. will help a lot. Need a new safety, defensive end, and defensive tackle, though, through the draft in all likelihood. Um, as I just stated in the last segment, yeah. I think a safety can be had. You need two free safeties. agency. <laughs> yeah, maybe two. Maybe you're going to have more than that on the <laughs> roster. Maybe not starting. Yeah. I mean, Poirier could come back and give it another year. But Taylor Rapp's not under contract. And then you do need defensive end and defensive tackle additions, and yeah, not just one. you got to sign those a bunch positions. of those dudes, yeah. A.J. Epinesa, Leonard Floyd, and Shaq Lawson are all free agents at we, the end position. And then everybody not named Ed Oliver at defensive tackle is a free agent, too. So just that, from a sheer numbers standpoint, eight of your 12 defensive linemen on the 2023 had, roster are free agents. We had the discussion earlier today when we were talking about what we're going to talk about what we would talk about on the show and what the we would put what question we would put to you our listeners we thought about just making it about the d-line defensive end or defensive tackle what's more important and we just decided to open it up to the whole defense but it's it's a big deal and right now there is no bigger question mark on the entire roster than what they're going to do on the defensive line they got like three guys three four who's the fourth it's Vaughn. Oh, Rousseau. Rousseau's Rousseau. the fourth. Yeah, Vaughn, Von Rousseau, Rousseau, Ed Oliver. And there's one other on there. Who's the other one? Now i got to look it up. Now you're going to no. make me do work here. It's a guy. It's our, it's our guy we like. Um, oh, Kingsley Jonathan. Kingsley Jonathan. So there's three ends and a tackle. Correct. They need four new guys to play every Sunday. And then another, and then four another or five three or four to be ready to go when to camp. the injuries happen and go to camp. I, it's I'm, I, there's a ton of guys. Yeah. Uh, let's jump uh, back on the phone lines here, and we'll go to Michael in Buffalo. What do you got for us, Michael? I was talking about the defensive line. What we need for our defense? I really wanted a defensive player like Bruce Smith. I'm from his era, so you had Bruce Smith on the line. I don't care what you did. He was good against the run. He was good against the pass, and so I know we need not a lot of other players, but if we got one player, because I think this was good this year to me. Right. I, I think picking Mike. 28th, Michael, Michael. is, is going to make it difficult Bruce. to find Bruce Smith. Think, yeah, Bruce. With all due respect. <laughs> you ain't find him. There ain't no Bruce Smiths out there. He is a unicorn. One, one trust one. me, I know the guy. He's a friend of mine. There ain't nobody like him, ever. 
he's one of one. And yes, if you had an, him coming out, <laughs> yeah, he got two hundred well, sacks he, in if, his career. Two hundred. If Not that like, guy was coming out, he'd be the first pick in the draft. You wouldn't again, get a sniff of him anyway. He yes, you're picking twenty eight. Yes, I get. Yeah, I get your point. I'm. I'm thinking. I'm. We'd I'm, all love to have it. I know you're being. You're. It's. You're exaggerating to make a point. Yes, Bruce. Bro, Bruce is a game wrecker. He's a game. He's sixty and he's a game wrecker. I mean, <laughs> he almost wrecked the pregame of the playoff game. The Chief, he is a game wrecker still. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yes, let's go get a Bruce Smith. I am on board with you. I am My, on board Michael, with that. If you I can am make, with if, you. If you have a plan that Show can actually, me where Bruce is. I am with you 100%. If you can work out a plan to make that you happen, show call me that me, path. Call and, me, and if I like that plan... I will put you in direct contact. I will with light. Brandon I will light that path <laughs> for you with my support. Yes, that, absolutely. I, I get the premise, Bruce but Smith. far easier yeah, said than done, uh, dude. That, Bruce, there ain't there ain't never been anybody like him, and there ain't never going to be anybody like him. And yeah. he was a he was the first pick of the NFL draft and a first ballot Hall of Famer, and there was there was no drop off in between. Right? I mean, he was at that level for 20 years, 25 years, because yeah. it takes him – he had to wait five years. He played for, I think, 19 or maybe 20, and then was went right to the Hall of Fame. I mean, the guy was as rubber-stamped to the Hall of Fame as you can get. Yeah, from what I understand, he the presentation quit. at the Hall of Fame selectors meeting, the guy presenting him stood up and said, Bruce Smith, and, and sat down. sat down. That's right. There was no politicking. There was no campaigning. There was no lobbying. He just yes. stood up and he said, stood up, said Bruce the name, Smith, sat down. And sat down. That's what you do. Can we take a vote? Yes. Is he in? Yes. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate your stopping by. That's it. So, yeah, you're right. Um, Mike, if, we, if, you're, he's out, if he's out there, go find him, and I promise I'll support your campaign to have him be a Buffalo Bill. Uh, Got to take a break here. When we come back, we'll catch up with CBS Sports' Jeff Kerr. He's got some uh, interesting write-ups on CBSSports.com, including the 58 most interesting things that happened in the 2023 season. We will get to that with Jeff Kerr when we return. You're on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Presented by Kaleida Health. All right, here we are, hour number two on a Thursday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you, and happy to be joined now by NFL writer for CBS Sports, Jeff Kerr. He's going to give us a little time here in between times that he's cranking out content for CBSSports.com. Um, he cranked one out like while we're, while we're on the show here in the first yeah. hour. I mean, it's just nonstop. The fingers are working. Um, Jeff, how you doing, first of all? And second of all, uh, 58 things. 
to remember about the 2023 season. <laughs> There's a couple on here we'd prefer to omit, but uh, we'll get to that in a second. What gave Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey the, <laughs> the edge over Bill Belichick and the Patriots parting ways and the Aaron Rodgers injury, which came in right behind them? Well, you know what's funny, guys? So as someone who grew up in Berks County and had to deal with Taylor Swift media since she was nine years old, uh, I'm kind of uh, immune to it at this point. But when you got drunk Jason Kelsey at Buffalo Stadium, when you got Taylor in there, when you got 50 million people watching playoff games, whether they care about the Chiefs winning or Taylor Swift or Travis Kelsey or whatever – I felt like that's what we talked about all year, like what Taylor Swift is doing, what Travis Kelsey is doing. Uh, why is Taylor Swift the reason Travis Kelsey isn't Travis Kelsey anymore? And, you know, the Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl anyway, so it turned out she wasn't a distraction, as we all thought. I, I felt like that was something we talked about all year long, more than – and you know what? I Ironically, guys, I didn't put this in, but I probably should have. Everybody made such a big deal about the Bills being 6-6, six and six, and I, I was the guy who said, they're going to make the playoffs. So they're fine. They're going to make the playoffs. They got Josh out. They'll probably win the division, and they ended up doing that. Well, it certainly worked out that way, and you're right. It, this, this season, if you took snapshots at any given moment, it looked very different than maybe it did was going to look like at the end. You know, the, the Eagles were 10-1, and one, for goodness sakes. Um, yeah. There's a lot of stuff that went on. It was a roller coaster, but at, at the end of it all – one of the other things you wrote about was the end of the era, the Bill Belichick era in New England. Now, certainly here in Buffalo, we're ultra-sensitive to what goes on over there because we've got so much scar tissue from that era. But what do you think it means going forward? For the, and, I'm, and, I, and I made the idea, Belichick is, like him or not, the guy is an asset. I thought the league would hire him as an executive so he could help them you know, foresee the future of where the league's headed. What are your thoughts about what happens to New England going forward? How good can they be this year under Gerard Mayo? What you know? What are we looking at there? I think Gerard Mayo was more of a player's coach of Bill Belichick, and I ultimately think that's why Belichick didn't get hired. It's a different generation of player. You got to kind of tailor to them. And Bill said in his ways, right? You know, he's won his way, so you can't criticize the coach for that. But I felt like the Patriots hired one in the same when they hired Gerard Mayo. It's like, okay, we're just going to get a younger version of Bill Belichick in there. You know, why, why keep the, the guy who's been as successful for your franchise? But maybe they thought what I thought. It's Bill Belichick's success had a lot to do with Tom Brady being under center, and he just never was able to replicate Tom Brady. And I, I think it just kills Robert Kraft that the Bills are the kings of the AFC East and the Patriots are – Last, I mean, the the Patriots had their fewest wins in the season since 1992. That that's kind of crazy to think about because growing up, the Patriots are always to me a losing franchise, and then Bill Belichick came along and they just kept winning and winning and winning. So, yeah, it's I, I'm still shocked the guy's not a head coach. To be honest with you, Steve, right. one that kind of surprised me, and I, I think it was more because of the when than the what, but. Seeing Dan Snyder sell the Commanders, I think, made a lot of people happy. Not only the 31 other owners in the league, but probably everybody on the Delmarva Peninsula. Um, but the fact that it happened in season, like it was kind of like while the season was going, um, was the craziest thing to me. I don't know that I ever thought we would have witnessed something like that, but 
there it is, and it goes for just over six bill. Yeah, I was, you know what, this season has been so crazy, I almost forgot it happened during the season, but it did, and it kind of rejuvenated command, the Commander's fans. I, I mean, I had, so my relative of mine, he, he's a big Commander's fan, and first thing he says to me, where are they going to change the name? I'm like, how would I know? Like, I, I don't know if they're going to change the name, but that's what they're talking about down there. It's all the all the possibilities, like who's going to be their coach, Who's going to be the you know the GM? Who's you know it ended up being Adam Pierce and Dan Quinn? Dan Quinn got hired today, but you know uh, now it's can they get a Micah Parsons because of the Jahan Dotson tweet? Can they get free agents to come back here? You know, and are they going to get a new stadium? Where's the new stadium going to be? Where's the practice facility going to be? It it just feels like the Commanders have suffered. That franchise has suffered for twenty five years because of what Dan Snyder did. We all seem to forget. This is the same franchise that won three Super Bowls in the 80s and 90s. And you guys know, uh, you know the whole Thurman Thomas helmet gate that was the one Super Bowl. And he Joe Gibbs won them with three different quarterbacks. So I think they're trying to get back to that. It, it is ironic, though, Dan Snyder's best period of success is when he hired Joe Gibbs back. And they only won, what, one playoff game? I think they went to playoffs twice in the four years he was there. Yeah, and that's it's it really was a has been a roller coaster for the Washington fans. They, it, and you're right, it does seem like that's a franchise that has at least stabilized. And now they've got Dan Quinn as their head coach. What do you think he brings to the table, and what what does that do for their franchise? It's clear they wanted a defensive minded head coach. Uh, their defense was pitiful last year. I mean, it was pitiful when they had Chase Young and Montez Sweat, and then they traded. Them, I, I still don't get why they trade Montez Sweat, but you know their loss was the Bears' game. But their secondary was terrible last year; they couldn't tackle. Um, they, they let go of so many pass touchdowns. So Dan Quinn's going to get that fixed first. Uh, I'm curious to see who he hires as his offensive coordinator because that's going to be massive. And a lot of these guys are getting second chances in the league. You know, Raheem Morris, Dan, Dan Quinn. Uh, we're seeing a lot, a lot of these head coaches, which is crazy. That Mike Rabel, by the way was not hired uh, this cycle. Maybe he won too much power. I don't know. But I think the familiarity with the NFC East is really going to help Dan Quinn out there. And again, I think Washington is kind of a good job right now just because it can't get any worse than what it's been under Ron Rivera, Jay Gruden, uh, whoever you want to name. And, you know, I think Josh Harris has shown, at least, you know, growing up, uh, you know, I'm a Sixers fan, I'm a Sixers season ticket holder. He's been patient with his head coaches. So, I think Dan Quinn's going to get the benefit of the doubt out there, at least get a couple of years. I know you also uh, kind of issued your Super Bowl prediction um, based on Already. a few based on a few <laughs> factors here. I know Bills fans are tired of seeing the Chiefs win, but I tend to think that Mahomes is going to find a way to get it done too. But you kind of drilled down a little deeper on on the why you think that the Chiefs are going to come out of this thing with their third Super Bowl in five years. Uh, maybe just lay that out for us. Yeah, I, I really like uh, the Chiefs offensive line, uh, personally. And again, I saw this firsthand when they beat the Eagles last year in the Super Bowl. And I, I always say don't bet against Mahomes and Reed, but don't bet against this offensive line here. It's not as strong as it was last year, but it's still really good. And, you know, when you got a guy like Nick Al- Al- Allegretti coming in for uh, Joe Tooney and just playing just as good as Joe – that tells me you got a deep offensive line, no matter if you lost Orlando Brown or not. Creed Humphrey's a stud. I mean, he's pretty much going to be the next Jason Kelsey when Jason Kelsey decides to retire. And Trey Smith's been good uh, at right guard. Uh, look, Jawan Taylor's had his issues this year, but he's still been solid there. Same with Donovan Smith. 
and look, the Chiefs got what I like. What the Chiefs have done this postseason is you guys saw this in the Bills game. They go to the players they need to go to: Rasheed Rice, uh, Isaiah Pacheco, Travis Kelsey. It it it's why Andy Reid is what he is, and why he's such a good head coach. And I, I keep telling you. People in Buffalo, this look. I wouldn't be too upset. I, I know it's tough losing the Chiefs every year, but I still say Buffalo has been the closest to actually beating this team without beating them. I mean, I mean, I know Cincinnati did it once to Joe Burrow, but look, Buffalo's right there. I mean, they they really are, and they got the one guy I think that can beat Patrick Mahomes on a playoff game. In fact, he he should have uh, already in Josh Allen. Yeah, and as we and we watch this Chiefs. 49ers Super Bowl barrel down the runway here towards us. Um, what do you make of the fact that it seemed like the Chiefs, I mean, they kind of just, they were a little bit clunky in the regular season, right? Offensively, they didn't they didn't have their guys. I mean, they, they just didn't look like they were the same team. They, they got the three seed, not the one seed like they usually do. And then when the lights came on in the playoffs, they really flipped the switch, and Travis Kelsey all of a sudden looks eight or nine years younger. Mahomes looks like he did five years ago. I mean, everything looks different. Do you think – is that part of what goes into your formula for picking him to win this game? Oh, yeah. It's, you know, playoff Mahomes, he's like the only player I, – I wrote this in the 58, um, you know, things from the season piece. He's like the only player to improve his numbers in, like, touchdown percentage – interception percentage, quarterback rating, you name it, uh, from the regular season to the playoffs. It, it, it's crazy. And I'll never forget what Trent McDuffie told me in the locker room after Sunday's game. It's when I mentioned to him that Raiders game, when they lost the Raiders on Christmas Day, and he, he said, that was our rallying cry. Like, that everybody counted us out but us and because we lost to the Raiders and we, we lost to an improving Raiders team. And they just kind of buckled down after that. And I think they wanted to show people, hey, look, we can go in the Buffalo. We we can we can beat them. We, we can go in the Baltimore. We can beat them. We're, we're not just a team that can win in Arrowhead Stadium. And the Chiefs just find different ways to motivate themselves every single year. And I think I, – I really do feel Patrick Mahomes has the Tom Brady effect. It's, he wants to find any – Every way he can to stay on top, uh, no no matter what it is. And I, I really think their motivation this year is we want to be the first team since the 2003-2004 Patriots to win consecutive Super Bowls because everybody says it can't be done, not in the salary cap era, not in free agency. The, there's too much parity in the league, but the Chiefs are proven otherwise. Yeah, the one, the one counter argument I'll present here, Jeff, is it seems like Brock Purdy plays some of his best ball when they're behind on the scoreboard. I saw this number this week, eight of the last 10 possessions in which Brock Purdy and the 49ers have been behind on the scoreboard, he's led the team on a scoring drive. Um, Knowing that could very well be the case in Super Bowl 58 at some point here, if we believe Mahomes is capable of doing what he's been doing, um, I, I wonder how far that goes for the 49ers, how tight they can make this thing and maybe even pull off the upset. Yeah, look, and the narrative going into the playoffs was what happens when Brock Purdy's trailing because his passer ring was in the 60s when he was trailing all year. And then in the playoffs, he goes to these consecutive, you know, second-half comebacks. And, look, Brock Purdy, I don't know what people think of Brock Purdy outside of my own opinion, and I, I hear game manager, I don't believe that. Uh, do I think he's Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow? No, but – He's a top 10 quarterback, and I don't care who he has around. Kurt Warner had Hall of Famers around him, too, when he got to the Hall of Fame. So there's no reason why Brock Purdy can't do this. Uh, you know, he has the, 
look, when he, he gets the ball to the guys that he needs to get the ball to. And what separates him from Jimmy Garoppolo to me is the, the fact that he can run outside the pocket and create plays with his legs. I, I think that is an underrated part of his game. I always liked his game at, at Iowa State. When, I, I got a story about Brock Purdy, guys. So when he was drafted, I was kind of in like my own world at the time. And I'm, I'm thinking of myself just watching day three of the draft. And they announced his, his pick, and I literally sent in the CBS Slack room, wait, Brock Purdy wasn't drafted yet? And they're like, where have you been? I'm like, well, I, I just didn't think of it. Like, I thought he would have been drafted in the fifth round. That's what I I thought when measuring Brock Purdy. So, look, the 49ers are loaded. They're very top-heavy. But what worries me about this team is – the Chiefs just got the edge in the trenches with their defensive line. You know, you got guys like George Kalatis, Mike Dana, Chris Jones against 49ers offensive line, which look, they, they've been outperforming their means, uh, especially when Trent Williams is in there. But outside of Trent Williams and Jake Brunell, who's kind of struggled a little bit this postseason, I got to give the edge to the Chiefs. But I don't think Brock Purdy is going to be the reason why the 49ers lose the Super Bowl. What are some of the other surprising things that happened during this regular season as we come down to that? I mean, we've seen so much um, happen. You know, the team, like we said, the Washington Commanders got sold. Uh, you know, you've got the stuff going on with the Philadelphia Eagles. They absolutely crash and burn after getting off to what looked like a, a, a repeat performance of their Super Bowl trip last year. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys are the exact same Dallas Cowboys they've been. Right, they look good. They've got some great games, and then they absolutely implode in the playoffs. I mean, what do you do? So, what is there anything that that you think of off the top of your head that surprises you about how this season went? I'm glad you brought up the Eagles Bills game, Steve, because when I covered that game in Week 12, the Bills were six and six. I thought they'd be fine. I thought the Eagles would win 14 games at that point. They just beat the Chiefs and they just beat the Bills. I'm like, there's no way this team's like gonna collapse. And I, I knew the Eagles were perfectionists that whole year, just being in that locker room. But I didn't think that perfectionism would actually get to them because they said they haven't been playing their best ball yet, and you know they were hinting at some locker room stuff. But you never would have thought they would have collapsed like they did, no matter how much they were struggling. Uh, how about the Browns? Uh, with you know with Joe Flacco, that was when Joe Flacco was coming off the couch. Who would have thought? Maybe the number five seed in the AFC. Uh, CJ Stroud doing what he did the whole season. D'Amico Ryans, uh, you know, uh, Puka Nakua. Uh, I should I should say I was not surprised by Puka Nakua because I'm in 13 fantasy leagues. I drafted him in all the <laughs> dynasty leagues and, and every single league, and I, I reap the benefits of that. So, uh, you know, I got pat myself on the back for him, but I, I didn't think he'd have the, that type of year. I mean, the, he, he obliterated all the records, uh, you know, Josh Allen being Josh Allen again. Uh, Josh Allen had another 50-touchdown season, which is kind of crazy when you think about it and the numbers he puts up. Uh, just him willing that team, you know, the Bills with Joe Brady. Um, again, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, how about Pete Carroll? You know, Pete Carroll stepping down. I, yeah. I didn't think that was going to happen. Um, I wasn't surprised there were eight head coaching hire, but, you know, how about Dennis Allen staying as a head coach? Yeah. That was one... I was right. really shocked about because I I don't think he's a good head coach at all, and somehow he stays around. Yeah, the last thing I'll bounce off you, Jeff, that surprised me was in the wake of the Rodgers injury that the Jets did not go and land another veteran quarterback. I know they had knocked around the thought of making a trade, but then even with people that were on the couch, like a Joe Flacco who had recently been on their roster – 
How much did that stupefy you that the whole reason they went after Rodgers was so they wouldn't have to play Zach Wilson, then Rodgers is out for the year, and they play Zach Wilson? Yeah, it, it was just, it, what's the Einstein theory, you know? Um, insanity is just repeating the same thing over and over again, right? And that's what they did. And I get giving Zach Wilson a month, but like you said, Joe Flacco was in the building. He was he was familiar with that team. They did not sign him. They did not care to sign him. They went with Zach Wilson. Then they went with Trevor Simeon and Tim Boyle. And you just kind of laugh at them. Like, look, Carson Wentz can't be worse than these guys. And, you know, the Rams signed he, he had a pretty good game in Week 18 when he played. Uh, you know, it must be the Sean McVay thing. But, yeah, there were players available. Like, why don't you just take the risk? And at the time, Kirk Cousins, not like he was on the trade block, but Maybe you could try to pull something off, but I guess because they they sold their soul for Aaron Rodgers. And by the way, how about them beating the Bills in Week One? I never would have guessed that after Aaron Neither Rodgers got we. hurt. <laughs> yeah, and that, you're right, and, and it's and it's interesting too. And I'll get your take on this, Josh Allen. We, you know, obviously he's you know the the prized cow here in Western New York. I mean, he's he's their MVP every year, and. And should be in the and is in the conversation as a finalist this year, uh, and the the knock on Josh has always been he turns it over too much, and people here will tell you the three words: no, he doesn't. Uh, the guy leads the league in intercept, leads the league in touchdowns, leads the league in yards from scrimmage, he leads the league in scoring, all that stuff. Uh, he is really the reason this team is in the conversation, no matter what the off season looks like. Where do you think? Uh, this franchise lands in the coming season? Because I know two years ago they were the absolute flavor of the month. Um, how do you see the Bills going forward with all their free agency gaps, all the things, the question marks they have coming into the season with the salary cap problems they have? Where do you see, you know, where's the narrative going to fall on this Bills team, do you think, in this offseason? Yeah, it's funny. They keep seeing the Bills' windows closing. I'm like, well, unless Josh Allen pops his knee out and can't get it back in, I, I just don't see it, and, you know. They, they still have a good foundation here. And, look, I, I'm just glad not to hear any Stephon Diggs drama for the first time in, like, six months. So, you know, they, they still got Josh Allen. They still got Stephon Diggs. James Cook's becoming a star. I, I think they, the Bills in, improved their offensive line tremendously over the last couple of years. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. The, the cap issues are going to be a thing. And same with the free agents. But, you know, you're going to get Matt Milano back, right? Uh, look at all the injuries this team had. Uh, I think I wrote about this several times during the year. Uh, him, Tredavious White, all, all these guys on defense being injured. It's You just kind of ran out of bodies, and you still have bodies able to go out there. I mean, look at what Rasul Douglas did for them after they traded for him. It's I still think they're a well-coached team. I still think they're – and again, I know Sean McDermott has his faults, but I still think they're a well-coached team. I, I still think – as long as they got Josh Allen back there and as long as they own the Miami Dolphins and continue to, they're still going to be a top three team in the AFC. It's just, can they get over, can they get past Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid? And so far, no one's really been able to do it. So maybe the Bills, you know, they'll get lucky one year. I, I mean, it, 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 it does stick, though, for a franchise like that, for the winning they've done. And I wrote about this this week with Jim Kelly. You know, he's one of the best quarterbacks that ever won a Super Bowl. And he should have one. And I – so when I did that list, by the way, I, I did the list for CBS this week. I had to take Josh Allen off it because then they decided to want – they wanted active quarterbacks next. I had Josh Allen fourth on that 
that list already. That's how good Josh Allen's been. Yeah, right. Jeff, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the Super Bowl next week. Oh, absolutely. It's going to be a fun game. Uh, I, I always like Super Bowl rematches, especially when it's like, you know, something recent like Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid. So I, I hope we get a good game. Uh, I hope Vegas is the host everybody thinks it's going to be. Yeah. Thanks again, Thanks, Jeff. Jeff. Appreciate, Appreciate it. You. We'll catch up with you down the line yes. here this offseason. That's Jeff Kerr from CBSSports.com joining us, cranking out content left, right, and center uh, on CBSSports.com. His uh, latest piece is 58 Things to Remember about the 2023 season. Um, some good ones on there. I think we'll omit number 31, which was about Buffalo's playoff failure. Yeah. So just skip over 31 if you pull it up and start reading it. Uh, 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550, the number to get on board as we are asking you today what change this offseason will help the Bills' defense the most in 2024. We've had some interesting submissions to this point. One person said... Matt Milano being back at full health will be the biggest thing that helps the defense in 2024. I think that's a pretty good one. Somebody else was saying uh, acquiring a defensive tackle and defensive end uh, to raise the level of play up front. The level of play up front was pretty darn good last season. You can find two people to raise that level. That would be uh, that would be a high be a cool, achievement. Yeah, that would be that would be a very surprising. Uh, and another person said. Uh, turning over the secondary and getting them younger and more athletic. Um, and the time may have come for that. Um, you know, as Jordan Poirier and Micah Hyde said themselves after the playoff loss to the Chiefs, you know, been teammates for seven years here in Buffalo. And, and then Sean McDermott, I think, or one of the other players after those two guys spoke said, I can't remember a time where two safeties got to play together on the same team for seven years in the free agency era of NFL yeah. football. It's very, very, very rare. Yeah, and even at the end, it looked like it wasn't going to happen, and they got that last year in together. Um, it's they. Who knows why? And who knows if you can repeat it? Certainly, Sean McDermott knows what he's looking at. He's going. He was the defensive coordinator this year. He'll be able to look at all those safeties. And you went down the list, Brad. There's. Like thirty-five guys available in free agency. Yeah, and about uh, at twenty-two that of them are really good. And yeah, and so Sean McDermott's going to go down that list and say, "Yeah, yeah," and they'll call all those. They'll all be called. Um, some of them are going to be too pricey, no question about it. But not all of them. And uh, so they're going to. And if Sean McDermott can get the guys he likes and the guys he wants, um, you can bet that they perhaps they won't take a step back. Maybe they'll shift gears. Got to take a break here, but when we come back, more of your phone calls as uh, we talk to you about the change this offseason that you think helps the Bills, the defense, the most. 803-0550-1888-550-2550. Your phone calls next when we return here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. We're asking you what change this offseason will help the Bills defense the most come the 2024 season in the fall. So uh, back to the phones we go and to Jim in Lockport. What do you got for us, Jim? Jim, are you there? Right, I'm going to put Jim on hold, and uh, we'll see if Jim can locate the receiver. Um <laughs> 
Uh, you never know. Sometimes uh, it gets tricky. He's rolling down sometimes. the highway. He's like, he's got a day going on. He's got- uh, Jeff Kerr, <laughs> just on from CBS Sports, got a lot of stuff going on. And it's neat to go down that list. He wrote the 58 or whatever it was, um, most talked about things or most memorable things about the season. And it's a nice reminder of all the stuff that went on. There's a lot of stuff. What a season it was. And, you know, you think about the Bills having, like, what was it? Like, if you count the 430 games, they had like nine games on primetime. Everybody wanted to watch this team. Uh, They set a record for viewership for a divisional round playoff game with the Chiefs when it peaked at 56 million viewers. A lot of stuff going on. What What a season it was. Um, you know, and it's uh, you, you get to this point of the season. The Bills are out of it. They got to watch the Super Bowl from home. It's a pain. It's it's no fun. But I still um, we go around and around. I've we've had a bunch of callers call in this week about how they're handling the loss. What's going on? What's going forward? And uh, I I just. It, the bothersome part about it is you realize when you really look at it from every angle, and even if you're looking at it as a dispa- dispassionate observer, the Bills are right there with the, all of these teams that are still in it. They're they're as good as it as good as if not better. Yeah, and you see all these teams. The Detroit Lions going to win that game, and a ball goes boinking off the guy's helmet on a bomb and bounces into the guy's hands. That's that's a Buffalo Bill loss right there. Right? Mm-hmm. That's a fourth and 18 against the Minnesota Vikings where the DB is going to intercept it and ends up helping the receiver catch it. Yeah, don't remind me. It's losing. It's like fumbling a quarterback sneak for the win and giving up the loss. It's like a miracle in the Meadowlands. We had all that stuff happen to us. That's how good this team is. It's been three years in the regular season since they lost a game by double digits. I mean, you can't tell me there's a team that is in any way, shape, or form tangibly or better on paper or even to the naked eye than the Bills. And you get to these games, and it's like one of these plays. It almost happened in Kansas City this year when Travis Kelsey throws yeah. that thing across the field. And the Chiefs, that's how the Chiefs lose. They helped us. Yeah. And that's how the Chiefs beat us. We helped them. Oh! Yeah. And we're not in Vegas! We should be doing our show in Vegas! Probably. Uh, let's try uh, the phones one more time. Let's see if uh, Jim in Lockport is there. Jim, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, what do you got for us? I did him. I wanted to get your theory about Travis Kelsey and okay. all the talk about uh, how he's getting too old and he can't catch the ball anymore, and <laughs> then all of a sudden now he's got a big resurgence. I have my own theory on it, what but is I it? wanted to get yours as well. What's yours? Uh, my theory is um, once you start dating, you catch everything. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Where's the, do we have a rim shot out there, a little sound effect? That's a good one. Uh, I thought he was pacing himself through the regular season. He knows he's not a spring chicken anymore. He's 33 yeah. years old. Um, and I kind of felt like, and Steve mentioned this earlier in the show, he felt like the whole Chiefs team was kind of going through the motions in the regular season. And I remember talking about that a couple of years ago. You remember they weren't winning in impressive fashion, but they were just finding a way to eke out games. Yeah. And, you know, it's like they were playing with their food for half the season. Now, this year, I think, was a little different. I think they didn't have as, you know, they didn't have all the horses like yeah, they used I, to. And still, 
they were kind of muddling their way through the season. And then the playoffs come, and they turn it up a notch. I, I think, yeah, this, this season during the regular season felt a little different for the Chiefs. It felt a little bit more uh, – there's a little bit more consternation when they weren't winning enough, particularly when they weren't scoring enough. And this is, you know, you see this, this play we're looking at with the Baltimore when Mahomes is running like a, around in the backfield, running in circles, doing all kinds of stuff, and he flips it out, and, and Kelsey lays out, catches it behind him after the ball is already passed him. You know, he catches it on the ground for the first down. And this kind of stuff, they, they weren't getting it done in the regular season like this. And, you know, I, I think back and you try and find reasons why teams look bad in the regular season, then turn it on and they get hot. Usually it's a team from nowhere. It's usually not the, you know, the odds-on favorite defending Super Bowl champions who, who look you know, lost a little bit offensively in the regular season. Usually those teams have. Usually it's the other way. It's like the Eagles. They come out like a house on fire building on what they did at the end of the last season and then flame out at the end. The Chiefs, they show up like they are hungover, spend a few months getting, snapping out of it, and then turn it on for the playoffs. That, and that's hard to do. And I know as a, as a guy like Kelsey, who's 34, right? He's 33. 33. You get to that age, and I remember being a, a, a guy in my mid-30s after having a long career, and there are certain times in the season, certain games, certain situations where you just don't have the energy to expand it or the interest in expending it because you just don't see it. It's not worth it, right? And... That strikes me as where Travis Kelsey is at times during the regular season. Now, certainly not in the in the postseason. And I, in, in my late in my career, we didn't get to the postseason, right? In the last couple of years of my career. So I, you know, I don't know what it was like if I could have turned it on again. Yeah. But that to me is a sign that you know the guy is in his thirties. It's a real sign like that. He's got some stuff to get, no question. And I remember I've said this a ton too over the years. It's easy for these players to buck up and play hard for three hours and give it everything on a Sunday afternoon. The difficult part when you get into your 30s, in the mid-30s, is preparing to play well. It's hard. These guys, you know, and I, and I know that we make, you know, they guys don't, don't tackle. They, all, you know, there's walkthroughs, only one padded practice a week and then none. But it's hard because you push yourself to play well. You push yourself to prepare to play well. And, man, it is just – the older you get, it is hard to it's do. More taxing. It yeah. is hard to do, and that you see something. These are kind of the signs you see of it, yep. right? So, I'm not saying Travis Kelsey's going to you know hit a brick wall here sometime between now and and Super Bowl Sunday. Not at all. But um, oh, he's got a bye week. He's going to feel great. Yeah, it's going to be this. It's going to be continue to be more of the same because that's you know that's just this the human nature and the way it is for a pro football player coming down the stretch of his career. What change this offseason do you think will help the Bills' defense the most in 2024? Jeremy on the tweet sheet says, just getting healthy. Emotional health was challenged last season, and this season we were physically decimated. Just hope that getting healthy and some D-line additions via one-year contracts will give us one more season to fix the cap and get it in 2025. Nate on the tweet sheet says, the defense was great. I thought Coach Sean did a fantastic job. I wouldn't change a thing except replace whoever is leaving slash retiring. So, well, that could be a pretty sizable number. I mean, as we said <laughs> earlier, 
You got eight of your 12 defensive linemen are free agents. Um, Micah Hyde's contract's up. Cam Lewis's contract is up. Uh, you got a number of players. Tyrell Dotson, contract is up. Uh, you got a number of players who are not under contract. You got 22 unrestricted free agents. So there's a lot of holes to fill. You could do just what you on said. A 53-man just, you know, just replace guys, but at, that's going to look like a completely new defense. And I mean a really completely new defense. Especially up front. Um, yeah, that's it's it'll be it'll be something to see. I I I I don't think there's any question they're going to have there's going to be guys out there that are going to be worthy and the Bills are going to get them to and the Buffalo's going to be in in the midst of it again and players are going to want to be here because they're going to be they're going to play with Josh, they're going to get out there and they're going to know they're going to be on primetime games and they're going to get a chance to go to the playoffs and and win the thing. Uh that's going to be out there still. The players are going to believe that. So you're going to have a chance at some of these guys who otherwise would have said, I don't want to play in Buffalo, but they do these days. So that's on your side. And so I think Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott are going to be able to cobble together a roster that's actually going to come out and look pretty good and then play better uh, as they come down the stretch. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic as the, to the possibility of these guys you know, putting it back together and having another defensive year that's, uh, that's worth remembering. Garvey on the tweet sheet says, bringing back a healthy roster with an infusion of youth from the draft and coaching staff. Um, Bobby Babich ascending to defensive coordinator is kind of an infusion of youth in a more responsible position. So I guess that that's the infusion of youth on the coaching staff. There is still a defensive line coach position open. Um, so we'll have to see how that is filled and a linebacker's coach position that is now open by virtue of Babbage's promotion. So if there is an infusion of youth there, I guess that would apply to what Nate's describing on the coaching side of things. It will be interesting or Garvey, sorry. to see if they, you know, promote from within, start, you know, and, and just move guys up the ladder and bring in guys at the bottom of the pyramid rather than, you know, infusing a guy halfway up, you know, into the linebacker full assistant job. Um that that'll be interesting. I think Bobby Babbage is a very intriguing candidate for this job, and it'll be interesting to see because he's he's never done it to, to my knowledge, right? Has he ever done it? Been a coordinator? No. Yeah, I don't uh, think so. You're not you, at this level. That's I'll have to check his college credit. That's big. That's big. Um, Joe Brady with a full off season and some and some. Uh, if, at least up front in the tight end, and, and for the bulk of his offense that he's going to be coordinating, he's going to have some stability and some continuity going forward. He's only got to plug in one or two players um, into the starting rotation, at least it looks like from here, unless the injuries happen in training camp and all that. I, I think it's a really intriguing set of coordinators you've got. Very young. Yeah, never been a defensive coordinator at any point in his coaching career. Yeah, so. but it's, he's 40. It's time. Yeah. And he's ready. I think he's ready for it. You talk to the people in the building; they, they, they're really excited to get him, or hold on, or, or retain hold on, him. Yeah, retain say. him. Yeah. Got to take a break here. When we come back, some final thoughts on the tweet sheet here on One Bills Live, presented by Collada Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio.
First things first, Steve, I stand corrected. Travis Kelsey turned 34 in October, so he began the season as a 33-year-old, but he is entering the Super Bowl as a 34-year-old, and he'll turn 35, obviously, next October. I know he said he intends to play in 2024, but we'll see. If he wins his third Super Bowl, he may just ride off into the sunset. That'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, Who knows? Well, they're not going to cut him. No. If he wants to play, he's going to get whatever – dozen or two million dollars he's got coming to him that's hard to walk away from even if you don't want to play exactly uh what changed this offseason will help the bills defense the most in 2024 some final thoughts on the tweet sheet there george says a healthy von miller if that's even possible drew says figure out a way to be more healthy at season's end and get von miller back to expected performance sean mcdermott did address that directly in his season wrap-up press conference he said we've got to find out why the last two off the last two post-seasons we've been so injury riddled because it was an issue in 2022 and it was an issue this past season so got to get their sports science people on that and figure out if there's a way around that to avoid that because going 2021 they were hitting on all cylinders and healthy yeah and you know what i mean and that just was not it's the case hard. the last two years it's hard because it's it, it is unpredictable and and i i've said this before eddie abramowski the the hall of fame trainer for the buffalo bills for decades he was brilliant diagnostician he knew what was going to happen how long was going to take you to get back just when you told him your symptoms but he also said this he goes you'll go like is it's weird in the nfl you'll go four years and never see a turf toe and then you'll get six of them in training camp he goes that's the way it works he goes something happens where your team just does that he's seen it year after year after year with different injuries from different things you get nine broken fingers in a four-week period, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. He says it's the weirdest thing, but it all comes back to the mean. It all comes back to the mean. Let's hope it does, because yeah. that should mean they're healthier yeah. come next year in the playoffs. That's it for us today. We'll see you tomorrow at 1 as we talk a little more Super Bowl and, of course, more Bills. We'll see you then.